It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. What's up, everybody? Matt Kajeski here. Back again with the Odd Shopper channel on this fine Monday morning. It is February the 19th. Before we get started, make sure to hit that thumbs up button, subscribe to the channel, and hit the notification bell so you know when this and all other content goes live. We're also brought to you by BetMGM. Right now, they have a limited time offer for those of you living in legal states with the exception of New York, Puerto Rico, and Nevada. What you'll do is click the link in the video description below. Make your first deposit of at least $5. Turn that around. $5 wager on any team, market, total, whatever you would like, and you will be paid out $158 in the form of bonus bets. You must be 21 or older to play in most areas. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem, please call or text 1-800-GAMBLER. All right. This is an awesome slate tonight. Short Monday slate, but we got a top 10 matchup. I guess looking back to the weekend briefly, I was out of town and unfortunately got sick. And no, it was not related to alcohol at the wedding. It was actually unrelated. And I missed the reception, sadly enough. But because of that, I didn't even look at Sunday. No games there. And on Saturday, finished with a 12-10 and 10 record for decent profit. So it was a good weekend overall. Won't go into the details. I tweeted everything out. If you'd like to see it, it is over there. So let's turn our attention to the Monday night slate. A couple of rivalry games and, of course, that top 10 matchup, which we will get to. We'll talk all of the big games, even the ones that don't really have a strong lean. And that's kind of where we start with Virginia taking on Virginia Tech. The spread is three. I think you're going to see this move to three and a half, which I disagree with. These rivalry matchups in the ACC, especially... Within state, I think largely get overrated. Home court is extremely important, but there's so much noise in these matchups year in, year out. So I think you see VT is the home team, rightfully so. I will concede that point. But I think the line movement is a step too far. And at some point, I'm going to probably look to pick up a Virginia ticket, assuming this gets to like three and a half or four throughout the day. Virginia has been a team that's played really well of late. Their season-long efficiency metrics it's comparable to Virginia Tech. Virginia has the edge on defense. Virginia Tech certainly has the edge on offense. We know what Virginia is going to do, which is play that exceedingly slow tempo and kind of force you into their game, win through defense. They are decently, I guess, not strong is the right word, but they're at least comparable to Virginia Tech in rebounding. Like effective height stuff doesn't really give you a huge edge. Virginia is 118th. Virginia Tech is 94th. So this gap doesn't really mean too much to me, the 230 to 131 in total rebounding. A lot of that just comes from the defensive end. But the one thing I did notice when going through the model this morning is when you isolate conference play, and particularly the last six weeks, the gap in these efficiency metrics is even wider in favor of Virginia. So I'm kind of struggling with this game overall because, of course, the slappies on Twitter are going to tell you home court is exceedingly important here. What they'll ignore is that home court's already baked in, and they'll also ignore the recent play of Virginia, which has been far better than Virginia Tech. So we'll probably just wait on this and see. 
If it gets to a four, four and a half, something like that, I'll back a road team, not afraid of Virginia Tech, the current rendition of Virginia Tech in Blacksburg. Next game up. One I do like quite a bit is Iowa State taking on Houston. This game is awesome. Top 10 matchup. And I think the line is too far. This game with Houston, they have weaknesses. Like they're just not being treated as a team that has any weaknesses right now. And I think they're pretty clear. So just to go through the efficiency metrics on the screen right now, Houston has a slight edge in both offensive and defensive efficiency. A lot of that comes just through their turnovers created and their turnovers forced. They're awesome. They don't turn the ball over ever. And when they're on defense, they force a ton of them. But this team also has to win through rebounding. They do have an edge, but this is always a concern. Houston, 17th in total rebounding, Iowa State 101. When you look at effective height, Iowa State's 123, Houston's 337. Offensive, defensive rebounding, this is the effort factor for Houston, fifth in offensive rebounding, and it gets them in trouble at times. If they do not get these offensive rebounds, this team is awful at shooting, just effective shooting percentage. Iowa State, 62, Houston, 234. So Houston's a team that doesn't always find a way to make shots, and they're reliant on these second-chance opportunities. But that also gets them in foul trouble. This team has a huge issue going over the back, trying to get these offensive boards. They're 331st in fouls committed, and Iowa State is a top-40 team at generating fouls in the entire country. And yeah, you've got Trey King, Robert Jones on the inside. These guys will foul themselves, but what they do have is bodies to throw at you. Generating fouls against Houston is no issue whatsoever. And for everything we talked about just Houston, Iowa State doesn't exactly have a lot of the same limitations. This team is top 90 in both two-point percentage and three-point percentage. They have multiple ways to beat you. So yeah, Houston's awesome on defense. But this is an Iowa Iowa State team that's really put it together this year with Lipsy. Momsilovich, the 6'7 freshman shooting 44% from three has been a revelation for this team and not one I expected. And at the end of the day, this this is a 128 total. Like the value of the point coming in nearly double digits is really important here as well. This game is not going to have a lot of possessions. It's one of the slower games on the entire card tonight. If it weren't for Virginia playing, this likely would be the lowest total. So for me, we'll back a road team. We'll take Iowa State with the nine and a half against Houston. All right, last of the premier games before we get to a couple greasy ones. This is a fun one. Kansas State takes on Texas. This one has kind of gotten out of hand. Kansas State, they have not lived up to expectations this year, whereas Texas has been a team that's sort of gone the opposite direction. They didn't have Dylan Dsu to begin the year. They've gotten him back. They've upset some teams. They've had some horrible losses. They just lost to Houston over the weekend. They they also lost to Iowa State, for that matter, in, in one of their most recent games. But this Kansas State team, they, they've lost six of their last seven. Their only win was against Kansas, funny enough, and that occurred in overtime. But you look at that game, you had far from full strength. Kansas, a lot of injuries. And that, that also was an overtime. This was a game that essentially came down to a coin flip that Kansas State was able to get done. So no shame there. Got to give them credit where it's deserved. But when you look at what they've done outside of that Kansas win in the last six weeks, they lost to TCU, lost to BYU, who struggled of late. They lost to Oklahoma State, the worst team in this conference, got blown out by 20 against Oklahoma, blown out by 22 against Houston, 
blown out by 19 against, excuse me, by 21 against Iowa State. Just really rough sledding for this this team right now. And all the efficiency metrics back this up. They are at a vast disadvantage on the offensive side of the ball. Texas, technically Kansas State has an advantage on defense, but I don't actually think this is true with DSU back. The interior for Texas is much stronger when he's not fouling. Texas has somewhat narrowed their rotation and sort of solidified three guards as well. It's kind of, you've got Aismas, of course, Tyrese Hunter, and Chenna Weaver has been playing a lot for them, which I think gives them more athleticism on the court. And then everything aside from this, effective field goal percentage, Texas 34, Kansas State 215, they can't shoot. They're better inside. That's where Texas excels on defense. Texas is 232 against the three, 41 on the interior. Well, you look at Kansas State, they're 110th on the interior. This is offense and 299th in three-point percentage. They shoot a ton of threes and they're terrible at shooting them. So yeah, Texas, they should stand up in this matchup just fine. It's a lot of points. I'm a little concerned about that, but ultimately I do think this probably moves through the eight. So if you want to take a position, I think the time is now. This is one I'm probably going to end up staying away from unless it remains at an eight and we get some information through the day or something like that. All right, let's move to the Southland Conference, I believe this is. Nichols takes on New Orleans. Fun game, what I think is not lined appropriately. We have a really short spread here. Nichols is only a one and a half point favorite. It is on the road. But New Orleans has not been a very competent team this year. They're basically seeding 50 spots in every single efficiency metric outside of rebounding, which they're also seeding about 15. So this is pretty clearly a nickel state spot. How does it line up injuries, anything like that? Well, the only key injury on these two teams is actually on New Orleans. Jamon Vincent, who averages 26.8 minutes per game, missed their last contest. Just player personnel-wise, I guess, jumping off from that, there's only two top 30 players on this New Orleans team. Mason Jones at 25, Jordan Johnson at 30. You have two players in the top 23, on Nichols, Deontay Smith is 10th, Jamal West is 23, and then you have three players just outside the top 30, Makai Collins, Jalen White, and Rob Brown. A balanced roster that has higher-end, top-end talent is Nichols, and they're all healthy. This team, they've had multi-game absences from three of those top players this year. Now they're all back, so there's also a chance that these efficiency metrics you see on the screen have a little bit of meat left on the bone. How high could Nichols possibly have risen if you had all these players active for every single game this year? It's at least a question worth mentioning here. But outside of this, when you look at some of the deeper efficiency stuff, Nichols has the advantage in height. Rebounding is very close again, but it, that also goes Nichols' direction. This Nichols team is actually 132 in three-point percentage, where you're facing the New Orleans defense that ranks 271 in three-point defense. Effective field goal percentage, 233 to 324. You really have to strain to find advantages anywhere for New Orleans, which leads me to believe this one is probably mispriced a little bit with Nichols at minus one and a half. So we'll take another road team and let's move on to our last game. A fun one here, one that's a little tricky to handicap, but we have Florida A&M taking on Alcorn State. This is one where we'll look at a total and pacing just doesn't add up. There's a couple nuances we need to talk about within the pacing, but you have Florida A&M playing above average in pace, 167. 
Then you have Alcorn State at 219. Fairly decent pace themselves, slightly below average. So pacing, not slow. Nothing you need to worry about here. The offensive efficiency metrics for both teams are actually better than the defenses. These are two of the worst defenses in the entire country. These are two bottom 20 defenses. There's only five teams worse than Alcorn State. They're 357. And then there's about 18 worse than Florida A&M. They're 344. And nothing in the stats suggests that you're going to see either team really stand out in these regards. As far as three-point defense, Alcorn State 357. Then you have Florida A&M 330 on the interior. It's Alcorn State 347, Florida A&M 284. And then these teams are actually pretty decent at shooting. A big surprise for me was seeing Florida A&M is 71st in three-point percentage. Alcorn State is 174th, which, first of all, that's awesome for Florida A&M being the low major they are. But Alcorn State, 174 is actually a pretty good marker for a team of this conference as well. So both these teams are pretty decent at shooting. Neither team defends whatsoever. The pace is decent. Like, it's just not adding up. And I rarely do this, but I was getting like 144s, 145s in my model, like in that range. So I even cross-referenced with Kempom, and they made this game 145. So it's also been soaring up. Like I tried to grab a 137 as quickly as I could, and it didn't. It had already moved through 138 and a half, and I have already started seeing 139s. I think this is one we grabbed pretty quickly. I'd probably pause, hit the brakes on 140-ish. But right now, I see a lot of value in the over in this, this greasy Florida A&M Alcorn State game. And of course, shop this. That's very important as well. We have tools at Odd Shopper that'll help you. You can go and sort by state, by books, if you only use a couple. Find the best possible lines, which makes a huge difference to your bottom line at the end of the year. And there's tools involved as well. We have packages that start $14.95 for a week, $49.95 for a month. Everything's consolidated, our market-based approach, which has all sports, not just college basketball, to find plus EV spots and our discords involved. So you have access to all the experts giving you what they're taking and analysis with it. But that'll do it for us today. Thank you guys for watching. Appreciate you guys bearing through the flu game. We'll be wall to wall this week, giving you games every single day. If you have any questions, please leave them below. If you have anything you'd like to ask me on Twitter, my DMs are open at Matt underscore Gajeski. Until next time, good luck, everyone. We will see you later.